I hope you would uh, uh, affirm this statement, but God accomplishes great things. God accomplishes, God does great things. And I, I think that can be said from the very beginning when, by his word alone, God said, let there be, and it was. He created all that is. And as you read through the scriptural accounts of the life and the journey of God's people, you see how over and over again what God says with his word happens. God's word is indeed powerful. God's word accomplishes great things. And there's no real surprise in that. But what is at times surprising is what God does and how he does it. God's word accomplishes great things. Last week we had the reading from uh, Jesus' first uh, sign or miracle when he took the 180 gallons of water and turned them into wine. And as I said, you know, here when Mary just made him aware of the situation, I don't think she was expecting him to do that. She just made him aware of the need, the situation, and look at what he did. God accomplishes great things. Then consider today's gospel reading. Consider those to whom Jesus came and he cast out the evil spirit. He went to Simon Peter's mother-in-law. And by the way, does anybody ever get surprised when they read that? Like, really? You had a choice? No. <laughs> I love my mother-in-law. But he healed her. And then he went to others, and he touched them, and they were healed, and more demons were cast out. Our God accomplishes great things, and quite often they are surprising. And that shows up today in particular with our reading from uh, the prophet of Jeremiah, the first chapter. The word of the Lord came to me. Jeremiah said, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. You get that? It's like the three boys I was with for two hours this afternoon. One who is in fifth grade, one who is in sixth grade, one who just finished eighth grade. I'm doing confirmation with these boys. Pick any one of them, but put them before you as a prophet. <laughs> to be the mouthpiece of God. God does surprising but great things. Jeremiah, young, no real experience, no great speaker, no charismatic abilities, and yet the Lord says, you're going to be my prophet. You're going to go, and weren't these great words? Can you just imagine this is what God's assignment is to you? 
I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot, tear down, destroy, overthrow, build, and to plant. What do you think? You think Jeremiah was off to the side saying, you know, I've been thinking about what I'm going to do for a career, and I think I'm going to be a prophet. I hear the benefits are great. You know, Jeremiah is also the one who's known as the weeping prophet. Because how he was attacked, because of you know, his wrestling at times with this call, this assignment from the Lord, how the people you know, were not happy to receive and hear from him. But God's word came to him. God's word was put in his mouth. And he was called to be that prophet. Here's the thing. God's word is effective in his people. God's word today, like it was then, remains powerful. It remains active. It remains alive. Nothing's changed. Because our God accomplishes great things. Our God accomplishes great things through his word. And you want to know one of the most surprising ways God has done a great thing when that word became flesh and dwelt among us. When God himself came down from heaven as that son of God to take our place. God accomplishes great things, but indeed surprisingly. When I was talking about how Jeremiah, you know, no great speaker, no real experience, not, no charisma. <laughs> you know what I think he was saying to Jeremiah? Jeremiah, it's not about you. It's about me. I love this um, portion of scripture, a little bit for two reasons. One, when I was about eight, my brother Jonathan, 10 years older than I, he went off to Concordia Austin, uh, and he was preparing to be a pastor. And uh, he and the choir of the college came through Florida, Gainesville, and I remember that night after the choir had sung there at First Lutheran, I went home and I wrote down God's call for me to be a pastor to be a father of three children. One of them is missing. I never got the third one. I don't know. But that was what he gave me that night. I don't know if I really even told anybody. I wish I still had that piece of paper. But you notice how Jeremiah hesitated, like, come on, Lord, me? I can't speak. You got, you got the wrong guy. Call him. Ask him. Nuh-uh. When I was uh, in my second year of confirmation, 14 years old, class of 28 or more of us, and Pastor Bozalski one day says in class, hey, Jamie, you going to be a pastor like your brother? You know what I said? No way, you already got one of us. And he confirmed that I had said that. He's still alive today. 
we're not always the most receptive recipients to the assignments God gives us, are we? It here's part of what I think he is doing when he calls the lowly, when he calls you and me into things that we no way expect are where we're headed or what we can do. And it's Paul's words to the Corinthian church in the first book where he says this. God chose what is low and despised in the world that no human being might boast in the presence of God. God called Jeremiah. God called James Rocky. God calls you purely by grace. Not because of anything you've done, not because you somehow deserve it, it's just purely by his gift. He calls. And behold, I have put my words in your mouth. God filled Jeremiah's mouth with that living, active, all-powerful word. And God is still doing that today. Even when we oppose him even when we have other ideas before us. So why do we hesitate? All kinds of things get in the way. You know, we're like, you know, I, that's not my spiritual gift. But by the way, when he says, you will be my witnesses, he doesn't limit that to whom he is speaking. When he says, you know, um, go and make disciples of all nations. He, he doesn't say, hey, I'm talking to everybody who's in this category or this age or lives in this place. He's talking to his baptized children of God. So it began right here, or in one similar, where the water and the word were put upon you. And he marked you, he set you apart, christened you for a purpose, to be his mouthpiece. It happens when we gather in worship and he continues to feed us on his word as it is read, as we are in that word in our own daily devotional life, reading, reflecting on that word, listening to him. It happens when we gather together in our small group Bible studies, our Sunday morning Bible studies. It happens when he takes simple bread and wine, and by his word it becomes the body and blood of Christ, and you receive it into you, and I myself. His word is in you. God, my dear friends, indeed accomplishes great things, but often in surprising ways. There was a video I showed this morning and a little technical challenge trying to do that tonight, but let me set this picture up for you. You can Google it. You'll find it on YouTube. Just type in FedEx driver shares faith. You'll find a young woman, probably about 23 years of age, who recorded this on her phone. 
And uh, the story is this. One day she's out delivering uh, packages. And if you've ever, you know, noticed uh, the UPS driver, the FedEx driver that come to your home, they're not able to sit back and have a cup of coffee with you, are they? I mean, they are boom, 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 boom. And you want a job to get in shape with? That'd be the one, right? They're running. But she says right after Christmas, so this was just a couple of weeks ago, she said she went to a house and, you know, in the, the small talk with the lady who came to the door, she said, well, how, how was your holiday? The lady said to her, and she said, it was really nice. And then in reply, the FedEx worker young lady says, well, how was your holiday? And she said, oh, it was not very good. Talked about her husband and his cancer and the struggle and and uh, she said, you know, it became kind of awkward, and, and she wasn't sure, and, and she said, well, I'm sorry. Um, and then she kind of had to go to get on the road. But here she is, and as she starts telling the story, and I looked out here, and my wife was one of them. Uh, she's over here grabbing a tissue and wiping her eyes because she says, I just kept having this feeling that I had to go back that I missed an opportunity. She said, you know, the faster we get our calls done, the faster we get home, and, and that's the day of how it works in our job. But she said, I turned around, I went back into that part of the city, I went to her house, I knocked on the door, and she said when she opened that door, that woman gave her the biggest hug. She said, then she squeezed her hands, and she said, I'd never had such a genuine hug nor had anyone squeezed my hand so tight. As this 23-year-old FedEx worker prayed with this woman about her circumstances. She said, folks, here's the reason. She said, when we talk about, you know, I want God to use me, and I want to do something for the Lord, and what is it today? We say that, and then he puts it right there in front of us. Here's that, my word, divine appointment but we don't respond, and we miss the opportunity. She said, folks, when he prompts you, just do it. And, and this was, you know, her own confession, because she knows many times she's missed that, and she's like, I've got to listen to the Spirit of God. And she went back. The truth is, these opportunities are happening for you and for me every day. God's put his word into you and into your mouth. God has called you to be his servant, his witness. And so even, you know, the title of the message today, this is how you witness. And I love this. Because when people at times say to me something, and I'm like, I don't know what to say. And you might think that's surprising, that I always have something to say, but I'm serious. You know what that's like. You're like, uh, here's the thing. He's promised you, even in this reading today, he said, I am with you. The great I am. The one who said that to Moses as he was leading the people you know, out of bondage, I am with you. And he's saying this to Jeremiah, and he has said it to us, right? 
For lo, I am with you to the very end of the age. Second, it is not your responsibility to figure out what the end result is supposed to be and make sure it gets there. Your responsibility is just to respond to the prompting and say what he gives you to say. Because he promises us that he will give us the words when we know not what to say. You and I, my dear friends, he says, I have put my words in your mouth. We are his vessels. And I love uh, those words from Peter where he says this, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. He's put his word in you. He has called you. No matter your setting, no matter your age, no matter your circumstances, he does that unto us all. This is how you witness. Let the word that he's put in you come out. Amen. And now I'm going to give you a little footnote. Um, Two weeks ago, about two weeks ago, um, I had a prayer in the service um, over what is uh, now referred to in our country as Sanctity of Life Week or Sanctity of Life Sunday. It's often connected to the Roe versus Wade week, and, and at times we've had our whole service has given uh, attention to and honor to that and God's teachings about that. We don't do it every year, I don't do it every year, and part of that is because sometimes when we do it at that moment, it's all connected around abortion. But here's what I'd like to say to you today. All life is sacred. What did the Lord say today in this reading? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Um, part of the reason, I guess, one is this is right here, so I, sh I felt compelled by the Spirit that I should say something. Second is, is what else happened this week? New York, Virginia, and abortion laws. I've tried to sort through a little bit of it because there's quite a bit of misinformation and things. Either way, here's what we should understand. From the time of conception until the last breath, whether we are fully functioning or bound in a wheelchair, whether we have some mental condition or we are, you know, a genius, all life is sacred. In God's eyes, me making the statement, it's not political, it's not a, you know, societal thing, a sociological thing, it's a biblical thing. My prayer is that we would continue in our lives first to honor this. My prayer is that when the opportunities present themselves, we speak that truth of God, let that word come out, but we do so in love. And at times we will encounter people who have been wounded or they've left these scars in their own lives because of decisions and things they've done and we extend to them the same grace that God extends to us every day as we turn to him.
Thank you for listening and being children of God. Amen.